Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. We started a series a number of weeks ago. We're calling the Holy Ghost, and that, that's who we've been talking about, talking about God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and been talking about different aspects of, of his ministry, of his role in our lives. Sometimes he is ignored or not understood. Sometimes there's a lot of confusion. People believe a lot of different things about the Holy Spirit, whether he's even active and present, has a role in our lives today. But we've just been going through the Word of God and seeing what the Bible has to say about the role of the Holy Spirit. This will be our last week in this series, and we've covered a lot of ground already talking about different ministries of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that because of sin, God the Father sent Jesus the Son to come to the earth, to take on flesh. That's what we celebrate with Christmas. And he came for the reason of being a sacrifice for our sins, that he came and died, bore the punishment for our sin. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that Jesus became sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ. So he came, he died on the cross, God raised him from the dead three days later, and after he had completed his mission, he returned to the Father. But before he returned to the Father, he told his disciples, listen, I'm going to go back to the Father, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father now, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you helpless, hopeless, powerless. I'm going to send the third member of the Trinity, the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, to be with you, to be in you, to lead you and guide you and comfort you and help you and strengthen you and bring you wisdom and understanding. And so that's what we've been talking about, the role of the Holy Spirit, that third member of the Trinity that God has sent to be with us now in in the church age. We've talked about how Jesus is God's gift to the world and the Holy Spirit is God's gift to the church. The Holy Spirit is present in salvation. He brings people to know Jesus, but then Jesus fills people, baptizes them in the Holy Spirit. There is a second work of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. We looked at Titus chapter 3 that talks about that salvation experience and how the Holy Spirit is the one working on the inside of us when we get saved. It says, but when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. It says that he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth and new life. How? Through the Holy Spirit. That's salvation, washing away our sins. New birth, new life. It's when someone comes to know Jesus, but that passage says it's happening through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Then the very next verse says, he generously poured out his spirit upon us. How did he do that? Through Jesus Christ, our our Savior. So the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, and then Jesus fills us with the Holy Spirit. Our helper, our guide, our strength, our wisdom. Talked about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. That that's the way that we can know God in a real way. That it's not just a religious book or, or doctrines, religiosity, a real active relationship with God. That's the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of, of a believer. That we can have real fellowship, know his leading, know his presence, know his voice. It's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he was the promise of the Father, the gift of the Father. What, what an amazing gift. We get ready to celebrate Christmas and our minds are on gifts, the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
Around Christmas time, we start referring to Jesus as Emmanuel. That's who he is, God, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. But that title, Emmanuel, was not supposed to be just a title that Jesus had for 33 years, and then he was done being Emmanuel. He is Emmanuel. And the way that he is God with us is by giving us his spirit to reside on the inside of us. Emmanuel, God with us, the spirit of Jesus with us, abiding with us forever. So we're going to finish this series today. I want to talk about a couple uh, more roles or ministries of the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer and then take a few minutes to talk about speaking in tongues and the, the purpose or benefits of speaking in tongues in the life of a believer. Would you pray with me one more time? Father, we love you. We thank you for your presence with us. Thank you for loving us. Father, I pray you bless us with eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, you'd flood our hearts with light so we can know you more. Lord, we ask for a spirit of revelation and understanding. Hearts that are, are like tender, fertile soil, ready to receive your word. And that it would bring forth a harvest in our lives. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Jude. Way in the back. Jude only has one book, or one chapter. I guess one book as well. Jude chapter 1. Start reading in verse 17. It says, But you, my dear friends, must remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ predicted. They told you that in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. These people are the ones who are creating divisions among you. They follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. They're being taught about or instructed about people that would come into the church, just like the apostles told them in the last days, so in the days that we're living in as well, people that would come into the church in the body of Christ, but their motives wouldn't be right. They'd be, come for the wrong reasons. They would create division. They're just interested in satisfying their ungodly desires, their, their sinful desires. And it says that they walk according to their natural desires. The, the New King James Version calls them sensual person, persons. It says they follow their natural instincts. Why? Why are they sensual, following their senses? Why are they just walking according to their natural desires? It says they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's Spirit in them. Because they don't have God's Spirit working in them, that leaves them to following the natural things and walking according to their natural desires. So one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to make us alive and alert spiritually. We know he makes us alive. We just quoted from, from Titus chapter three. He brings new life, but he also awakens us spiritually. He awakens our powers of perception, opens our spiritual eyes and our spiritual ears so that we're not limited to functioning in this life according to, to our bodies, just walking according to the natural. Naturally, all you wanna do is eat and go to the bathroom, have sex, sleep, take naps, lay around. You just wanna please your body. 
But the Holy Spirit comes to awaken us to another realm, the spiritual realm, which is, which is reality and teaches us to walk according, not to how our, what our bodies want to do, but according to the desires of the Spirit of God. And those, those desires are contrary to one another, we're told in Galatians chapter 5. But one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit is to awaken us spiritually so we're not limited to the natural realm. Let, let me read to you. You can stay in the book of Jude. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. It says, But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. I'll keep reading, but the Holy Spirit brings revelation. What your eyes can't see and your ears can't hear and you can't even dream up in your mind, the spirit of God can come and reveal those things to us. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now, there's a lot we could draw from that, those verses. Let me just point out a couple of things. He says that the Holy Spirit reveals things to us, that we can know God, really know him through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. In fact, he, he says, who can, who can really know a man and know his thoughts other than that man's own spirit? You don't really know my intentions or my motives or what I'm thinking right now. Not the way that my, my spirit knows my intentions and motives. You can't know someone like that the way that their own spirit does. And he says it's the same way with God. But God has made a way to reveal those things to us so that we can know him at such an intimate level, know his thoughts, know his intentions, really know his heart by putting his own spirit on the inside, on the inside of, of us. And he says he teaches us things, comparing spiritual things with spiritual, that to the natural mind, to the natural mind, it's foolishness. They don't understand. Then he says, how can they? How can a natural person understand the things of the Spirit? But when we have the Holy Spirit, it's an avenue where he can reveal things to us, open up our awareness, teach us, open up our eyes spiritually. Naturally, th things seem foolish, but when we walk according to the Spirit, where we're aware of that realm of operation, we understand it's the wisdom of God. Th things that are, are wise in the spiritual realm are foolishness, in the natural realm. Maybe you've tried to explain something to someone, something that is from God's word, something spiritual. It just sounds like silliness. They, they don't understand it. A, a really simple illustration is what we talk about all the time. It's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. That's spiritual wisdom. Wisdom. You are more blessed when you're in a position to bless someone, to give, than to receive. To the natural mind, that's nonsense. That's, that's the opposite. That's foolishness. No, it's way better to get than to give away. It doesn't even make sense. Spiritually, you come to understand, no, 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 no. That's, that's a, a very low level of thinking. Spiritually, I, I want to be a giver, not just, not just a, a receiver. And that's that way with lots of things. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to awaken our powers of spiritual perception. So you can see and understand and hear the voice of God. 
It says that these people he's talking about, they just walk according to their sinful desires. That's their purpose. And again, he says, because they don't have God's spirit within them. So we can understand another role of the Holy Spirit is to lead us in holiness. The people that just follow sinful desires, they they lack God's spirit. When we have God's spirit, he helps us to die to our sinful desires and have a hunger and thirst for righteousness that we would walk in holiness. The more you fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the more you spend time with him, the more you develop that relationship, he he conforms you to the image of Jesus. That's, That's what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit works to conform us to be more and more like Jesus. That the more I walk with the Holy Spirit, the closer I get to Jesus, the more holy and pure my life should become. The New Testament will sometimes use the word, the description of things fitting or not fitting. I'll read an example from Ephesians chapter 5. Verse 3, it says, but fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as is fitting for the saints. So there's some things that fit the saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. To me, that's a good word picture, because I think about clothes and the way that they fit. There are some things, as we walk with the Lord, some things fit, and then some things don't fit. The more I walk with the Holy Spirit, there's certain behaviors and attitudes, actions, maybe relationships, they just don't don't fit the way that they used to. Have you ever had clothing, maybe a pair of pants, a favorite shirt that fit for a while, but then probably because it shrunk in the laundry, it doesn't, it doesn't fit the same. This is a good time of year to use this illustration. I'm about two pounds away from coming to church in sweatpants. That wasn't a joke. But you can have pants, maybe they're your favorite pants. You, you love those pants. You, you wear them all the time, but then put them on one day and they're fitting a little snugger than, than usual. And you can get to a point where you've got to do all kinds of things to be able to get them zipped and buttoned. You've got to incorporate help from other people. You've got to rub your legs down with lotion and, and build up speed to get them, get them on right. But you can get to a point where they, they just don't fit anymore. And if you try to force it, you, you can wear them for a while, but it's uncomfortable. You can't move right. It, it, it's, it's pinching you in certain places. And get to a point where you're like, you know what? I used to love wearing those pants, but they just don't, I, I don't like wearing them anymore. I, I, you, in fact, you couldn't pay me to wear them. They're so uncomfortable, right? Can you identify with that? That's the way it is with certain behaviors, things that didn't used to bother you, that as you walk with the Holy Spirit, the way that he's molding you and shaping you, you just start to lose the taste. That, that action I used to do, that thing I used to in, engage in, you know what? It just, I, I don't even like to do it. I've just lost a taste for it. I, I'd really, it's not hard for me to say, no, I'd prefer not to engage in that. I've got lots of examples of how the Holy Spirit has worked that in my life, things that I've just lost a taste for. A real easy example is, is a, a show that my wife and I used to watch. It's a, a funny show. We used to watch it. And as we watched it, it's, it's not a filthy show. It's not bad by most people's standards. In fact, it was a pastor that, that recommended the show to us. But as, as we watched it, we got to a point where they would take little digs at Christians and say little things, kind of uh, just kind of undercut God. It just started to, to bother me. We watched it for a while, and we both kind of got to a point where just... You know, I, I don't want, I just prefer not to watch that anymore. I just, it's not, it's not fitting. It's, it's not funny to me. It's, it's offensive when they, when they mock the things of, of God. It, it didn't fit the way that it used to fit. 
you know, when, you, when someone's making fun of someone that you love, yes. it's not entertaining to you. It's distasteful. Like if I was watching a, a show where they just made fun of my dad, that's not funny to me. That's not entertaining. I don't, I don't like that. I don't want to watch that. I don't want to fill my mind with that. So you get sensitive to those kinds of things. They're making fun of God. That's not amusing to me. That's distasteful. Maybe at one point it didn't bother me, but it started to bother I'm just using that as, a, as an example. Lots of different things in our lives. The more we walk with the Holy Spirit and enjoy his fellowship, he's, he's working on the inside of us. He's making changes, molding and shaping us so we're more and more like Jesus. So there are certain things that are no longer fitting. They don't fit us anymore. It's one of the ministries of the Holy Spirit. He leads us, leads us in holiness. Let's look at these next couple verses in the book of Jude. Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the Holy Ghost. He's talking about praying in tongues, praying in that heavenly prayer language that we have, that we receive through the Holy Spirit. So I want to take a, a few minutes and talk about some of the benefits of praying in tongues and some of the roles of having that heavenly prayer language. Because tongues is something that can be scary. It can be something that people think is weird. It can be a turnoff when it comes to what, what church you attend. You hear people talk about different churches and they, before they come. Now, that's not one of those tongue-talking churches, is it? Like that, That's the only qualification for whether they'll come or not. If, it, if they speak in tongues there, then it's, it, you know, it's something they don't want any, any part of. Is that Pentecost? Does that mean they talk in tongues there? It's just something that, that people don't understand. It can be scary and weird. And why do they, why do they do it? They don't, is it just some kind of chant? What is going on? Why do people speak in tongues? There are some believers, people filled with the Holy Spirit, that pray in other tongues and they know it's good, but they don't even understand some of the benefits of, of praying in other tongues. So I'll, I want to take a look at a few different passages that let us know some of the incredible benefits of having a prayer language. You know, when people don't like to talk about praying in tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, because they don't understand it or they've been taught wrong about it, sometimes they think they can just kind of avoid the beginning of the book of Acts. But really, when you pay attention, there's instruction about things like praying in the Holy Spirit all through the New Testament. We just read from the book of Jude, and he's giving us instruction. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. How? Praying in the Holy Spirit. So it's not something that's just relegated to, to the book of Acts and isn't addressed anywhere else. It's an important part of a believer's life to make use of this gift that God has given us and pray in the Holy Spirit. Now, there's much more to being baptized in the Holy Spirit than praying in other tongues, but it is such an important aspect, uh, uh, something that God has equipped us with, and it's for our benefit, and it enhances our ministry on earth and our relationship with the Lord. So praying in tongues has a couple of different functions. One we've talked about earlier in this series, and it's the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, there is an evidence. You've received the second work of the Holy Spirit in your life, and there's an overflow, and you begin to speak in other tongues. That's the pattern we see in the Bible. In the book of Acts, that's what happened. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 10 is a great example because it's the first time the Gentiles or non-Jewish people ever received the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And there's Jewish people that were there when they received the Holy Spirit. And it says that they were astonished that the, even Gentiles could receive the Spirit of God. How did they know? How can you just look at someone, be watching somebody, and say, oh, he, that guy just received the Holy Spirit? That there was some evidence. It says they were astonished that even Gentiles received the Holy Spirit because they heard them speaking in tongues. That, that was the evidence that they'd received the Holy Spirit. So we've talked about that earlier in this series. That's one of the functions of speaking in other tongues. But it's not supposed to be a one-time thing that you receive the Holy Spirit, you get to speak in tongues, and then, then you're done. Then it becomes a gift, a prayer language that you can operate in at your discretion. You, you get to do it. You, you're given instruction in the Word of God to pray in the Holy Spirit, which means it's not just when the Spirit of God comes on you and takes control of you, that you have the ability to use that prayer language or not use that prayer language. So it's one, the initial physical evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, but then it becomes a prayer language that is a benefit for the believer. And as it functions as a prayer language, there are multiple different things that it accomplishes, and we'll talk about a few of them. One of them is found in Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, what's being talked about is keeping yourself strong in the power of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers in the unseen world, against principalities, evil forces. What you're up against in this life isn't other people. It's not your, your mean neighbor or the jerk at work. It's not those things. There's spiritual forces that are coming against you, and that's what we wrestle with in this life. And so he tells us that there are things we can do to make sure that we stand strong and don't get taken out by this very real spiritual enemy that all of us are facing. And he begins to tell us about the armor of God and make sure that you arm yourself, that you dress yourself, clothe yourself with these different pieces of armor. And he starts to describe them, the belt of truth and the, the breastplate of righteousness. So that, that's in context of what I'm going to read from Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 17. He says, put on salvation as your helmet. He's still talking about the armor of God. And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So as he's talking about putting on the armor of God, he tells us to pray in the Holy Spirit at all times and on all occasions. Now, what's the context again? How to be standing strong even as the enemy comes to kill, to steal, to destroy, to take you out, the forces of the devil working against you. There is a way to make sure that after everything is said and done, you're still standing strong and immovable. Part of it is putting on the armor of God. Part of it is making sure that you keep yourself praying in the Holy Spirit. One of the functions of a believer's prayer language is to stand strong against the attacks of the devil. You see people get taken out all, all the time doing well, and then they, they backslide. They get caught up in sin again. Something that keeps you from, from making that mistake and falling into the enemy's schemes is to keep yourself praying in the Holy Spirit, to keep yourself strong and immovable. That, that's one of the functions of praying in the Holy Ghost. Let me read you from Romans chapter 8, another benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit. Starting verse 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. It says the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses, in our shortcomings, 
where we are inadequate. That you and I have certain inadequacies in our understanding, in the way our minds function, in our understanding of prayer. It says we don't know what to pray for or or how we ought to pray. Those are shortcomings that the Holy Spirit can come and intercede in us and through us. We can pray in the Holy Spirit. And it says we're praying the very, the very will of God. Yes. It's an amazing benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit. That I'm, I'm not limited to what I can understand or what I know to ask for. Sometimes I don't know what to pray for. And sometimes when I do know what to pray for, I don't know how to pray about that situation. But I can begin to pray in the Holy Spirit and have confidence that I'm actually praying the very will of God, that the Holy Spirit is praying through me. It's a brilliant plan by God to equip us with that ability because God responds to prayer. That's the way that we invite him into situations. That's how we see situations change. God doesn't force his way in. We invite him in. But if you and I don't have the understanding of where to invite him in or how to invite him in, the Holy Spirit, if we'll yield ourselves and let the Holy Spirit pray through us, we can be inviting God into situations and bathing situations in prayer that we don't even have the understanding naturally to begin to pray for. It's amazing, an amazing benefit of praying in the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had a burden for someone? Someone come to mind. You just feel the love of God for them. And you just sense, man, I, I want to pray for that person, but you don't know anything about the situation. This, this happens to me with, with some of you all. Just be minding my own business. And all of a sudden, I just sense God's love. You're just on my heart. I'm thinking about you. I just, man, I, I feel the love of God for you. I want to pray for you. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in your family, in your marriage, in your finances. I don't know what's going on with you at, at work all the time. I can begin to pray for you in the Holy Spirit and know that I'm praying the will of God, the perfect will of God for you. I like to pray for my kids. There are certain things I know to pray, and I know how to pray for my children, but I'm limited in my understanding. I, I don't know what their future holds. I'm not with them 24-7. I don't know what's going on in them mentally, emotionally, how the enemy might be coming against them. So I can pray for my kids the way that I know how to, but then I can also pray in the Holy Spirit. And I can be bathing situations. I can be bathing their, their future marriage. I can be bathing their future career or ministry. Bathing it in prayer. I don't even know anything about it, but I can have that thing covered in prayer through this ministry of the Holy Spirit as I pray in other tongues and allow the Holy Spirit to intercede through me. So, so it's a way to fight the enemy's attacks against us. It's a way to pray the very will of God. But the reason that Jude brings it up is that it's a way of strengthening our faith. He says, to build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, that we build ourselves up. You can strengthen yourself, edify yourself, become stronger, become deeper rooted in the things of God, have your faith reinforced by taking time to pray in the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 says, He who prays in a tongue or speaks in a tongue edifies, edifies himself, builds himself up. You could translate that word as charge. They, they charge themselves. The way that you charge a battery. You fill it with power. You make sure it's got, it's got the power supply to carry out what it was intended to do. I think of my cell phone. There's lots of different things I can do with my phone. I can make calls. It's probably the, the 
way I use it least. I can send texts, you can take pictures, you can take videos, you can play games, you can edit photos, you can make notes, you can do all kinds of things. It's loaded with all kinds of abilities, different apps or different gifts that it has the potential to do. But it doesn't matter how gifted that phone is if I don't take time to charge it, that all of those abilities lie, lie dormant. I've got to have a time where I plug that phone in and I charge it, I fill it with power, and then all of those abilities, I can, I can use them as I go throughout my day. I, I can make use of all the potential that that phone has. It's the same way in a believer's life. You are filled with gifts and abilities and insight, but it doesn't matter. If you don't take time to charge yourself, then those, those abilities will lie dormant on the inside of you, and you won't be the benefit to the people around you that God has called you to be because you haven't taken time to charge yourself up by praying in the Holy Spirit. It's no wonder that the enemy tries to push people away from speaking in tongues like it's just some weird thing for crazy fanatics that have gone off the deep end because he knows if people won't take time to pray in the Holy Spirit, then it doesn't matter how gifted they are. He's got a bunch of dead battery, low watt believers that can have a lot of good intentions but not the ability to manifest the power of God because they haven't charged themselves up. You can charge yourself full of power. How? By praying in the Holy Spirit. He who speaks in other tongues, prays in the Holy Ghost, is charged, building himself up, creating power, generating power spiritually. Yes. What a mistake for believers to not make use of praying in the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're just scratching the surface, but you charge yourself up, build yourself up, edify yourself, pray the very will of God, fight off the spiritual attacks of the enemy. There are, it's, it's loaded with benefits, praying in the Holy Spirit. One of the things that happens is as we pray in the Holy Spirit, you magnify God. You worship the Lord. Acts chapter 2, it says they heard them praying in other tongues and declaring the wonders of God. They're worshiping the Lord. Acts chapter 10, when they heard them praying in other tongues, they heard them magnifying the Lord. We're worshiping God, giving him praise, declaring his wonders, magnifying his name. It's foolishness to the natural mind, but it's wisdom. It's wisdom spiritually. So when you pray in tongues, some people get discouraged because it, it sounds the same. It, it always sounds the same. But spiritual language, it's supernatural. It doesn't work the same way as the English language. You can be doing all kinds of different things as you pray in the Holy Spirit, and it might sound very similar. It sounds like I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. You, do, you underestimate God's ability to use that, that, use that language supernaturally. How much is loaded in whatever it is that you're saying by the, by the power of God? Daniel chapter 5, I think, is a great example of the way that God can use language and take something small and just cause it to be ripe with meaning and significance. You might remember the story. Daniel chapter 5, there's a, a hand that shows up and starts to, to write on the wall. And it, it just writes a couple of words, one word twice and then two other words. So just three words. And it's crazy because this hand writes, you know, just a hand shows up and writes it. So everybody's freaking out. What does it mean? What could it possibly mean? Nobody can figure it out. So they send for Daniel. And Daniel comes in, says, I don't, I don't want any of the rewards. You can keep getting Keep them or give them to someone else. I don't care, but let me tell you what it means. And he begins to pull meaning out of those words. Those few little syllables that God wrote on the wall, he begins to say, your days have been numbered and they've come to an end. You've been, you've been weighed on the scales and it's come up wanting. You're too light. God's gonna divide your kingdom. He's pulling all this meaning out of just a couple of words because the spirit of God was able to pack so much in just a, a couple of letters written on the wall. So you can take that and apply it to when you speak in tongues. Don't, don't allow your natural 
natural mind and say, man, this just sounds like gibberish. just sounds like I'm kind of repeating something over and over. You don't know what, what the Holy Spirit is praying through you and how loaded with significance what he is praying through you really is. So it's initial physical evidence. It functions as a huge benefit to the believer as a prayer language, loaded with benefits. A third function of praying in tongues or speaking in tongues is a ministry gift when believers are together in a setting like this, or what we call in a corporate gathering, when there's a group of believers together, to use it when it's paired with interpretation to minister to the group. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, chapter 13, chapter 14, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and how they're to, to be used in a corporate setting. And one of those gifts he mentions is the gift of, of tongues. It's important to understand the context that he's talking about the way that we use the gifts to minister to one another because I've, I've heard people take some of the verses out and apply it differently and outside of context, you can kind of manipulate it and make it sound like it's saying something that's not really saying when I was a teenager, I was going to a Methodist church, and I asked our pastor, why don't, why don't you ever speak in tongues? Why don't we ever talk about the Holy Spirit? And he was very gracious, and he just explained to me that the Bible tells us that, not, that tongues isn't for everybody, and he was one of the people that tongues was not for. And he quoted from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He, he had a verse he could quote from that says tongues isn't for everybody. Let, let me read it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. starting in verse 29, says, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Now, Paul's asking these questions, they're redundant, the answer is no. Is everybody an apostle? No, not everyone's an apostle. Is everybody a prophet? No, not everyone's a prophet. So he's asking all these questions, and the answer is, is no. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? So he quoted that. It says, do all speak in tongues? And obviously the answer to all those questions is no. So not everyone speaks, speaks in tongues. But you've got to understand, he's not talking about a personal prayer life or the initial physical evidence. He's talking about corporately, when everyone gets together to worship, not everyone is to try to minister speaking, speaking in tongues. So it's something different, the ministry gifts of the Holy Spirit or manifestations of the Holy Spirit that are given to minister to one another. That, that's different than your personal prayer language that God has given you. Pa Paul said in that same teaching, I thank God, I, I pray in tongues more than any of you. So speaking in tongues is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. He mentions them earlier in this passage. We can back up and read all nine of them. There's nine of them he lists. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. He says, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who manifests all in all, but the same manifestation of the Spirit but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. We'll keep reading, but he says the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one. It means God wants to manifest through his Holy Spirit through, through each one of us. It's not just for super Christians or, or people that are just way more advanced. God wants his Holy Spirit to manifest gifts for the profit of all, not so that you can be a superstar Christian, but for the benefit of the body. That God has given each one of us gifts. Verse 7, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. 
For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills different gifts of the Spirit to to minister to one another, given by the Holy Spirit as he wills. He lists nine of them, and sometimes you see them categorized in groups of three just to bring understanding, kind of group them together. There's different ways of, of categorizing them. One is that there are three gifts that say something, three gifts that do something, and three gifts that, that reveal something. Just kind of putting them in different groups to gain understanding. There's a group that, that says something or, or called the utterance gifts, the speaking gifts. It's prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. And if you read that passage in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, tongues and interpretation are to be used together when, when you're, you're gathered. So if someone stands up and gives a message in tongues, he says that someone else needs to interpret or it's back on that person that they, they need to interpret. That's different when we take time, which we'll do in just a couple of minutes, to pray in the Holy Spirit. You'll hear me pray in the, in the Holy Spirit. I'm not giving a message in tongues. I'm just, I'm just using my prayer language. It's, it's different. It's important to understand the different operations. So there's three that say something, the utterance gifts. There's three that do something or the power gifts, which are the gift of faith, the working of miracles and healings, and then three that reveal something the discerning of spirits, the word of wisdom, and the word of knowledge. When you can supernaturally just know something about someone, just know know, uh, something that they're going through, or you can have a word of wisdom that you know what to do about the situation, how to advise somebody, you know the answer to the problem, or you supernaturally know what kind of spirit that person is operating in, or what spirit is causing something to happen. So different ministry gifts that the Holy Spirit equips us with, and one of those is, is speaking in other tongues. Let, let's jump back to Jude, and we'll take a couple minutes to pray. Jude 1, again, verse 20. He says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God. We we talked about this once a long time ago, but it's so powerful and so important that we keep ourselves in the love of God, to keep yourself. Now, there's different meanings of the word keep. One has to do with with remaining, with, with staying with abiding, that you don't, you don't leave that place. Instead of giving something away, if you decide you're going to keep it, what does that mean? You're, you're going to hold on to it. You're not going to part from it. So we're supposed to keep ourselves in the love of God. Don't leave that place. Let it be where you, where you abide, where you stay, that you never go from there. Keep yourself in the love of God. That's important. There's, there's another meaning of the word keep, and it has to do with something not going bad, something not spoiling like a food item, something not becoming contaminated. That for a food item not to go bad, you've got to create certain conditions to protect it from spoiling, right? Talk about non-perishable food items. 
People do food drives and want to make sure it's, it's non-perishable. Well, food on its own isn't, isn't non-perishable. You, you've got to create a, an environment, a system to keep it non-perishable. Green beans on their own are not non-perishable. They perish. I've grown them in my garden. They don't keep around forever. They're, they're good for a little while, and then they, they're, they're not good. They spoil. They become contaminated. No longer, no longer good. You, you, to make them non-perishable, you have to put them in an intentional environment and control that environment so that they will keep so that they will keep. And he's telling us to keep yourself in the love of God. And the fact that he's giving us instruction on how to keep lets us know that you don't keep on your own, that there is a tendency to move from the love of God, to not stay, that you drift from the love of God, that you become vulnerable to corruption, that you, you, you spoil. So he's telling us the way that we keep ourselves in the love of God is what? By praying in the Holy Spirit. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love, in the love of God. And that is enormously important that you and I keep ourselves, keep ourselves located, keep ourselves from drifting in the love of God, that you know God loves you, that you know that his banner over you is love. His love for you is so deep and so strong that you don't allow yourself to drift from it. You, you've got to keep yourself there. And when you keep yourself there, that's also how you keep your love for God. Because the Bible says we love because he first loved us. You've got, you've got to protect it. It doesn't happen on its own. You've got to create the environment where you keep yourself. I know that God loves, God loves me. I know that he hasn't changed his mind about me. I know his love is so deep, so strong, nothing could ever separate me from his love. And that's how I keep my love for him fresh. Yes. I believe one of the number one ways that the devil gets people to fall out of love with Jesus is by convincing them that Jesus has fallen out of love with them. And if he can get them to begin to doubt, I'm not sure God loves me the way that he, he used to love me. I think, I, I think I've messed up too much. I think God's kind of soured on me. That's when people start to drift. People start to, to look for comfort and peace from some other place. We feel like God doesn't want them around. God's disappointed. God's angry with them. That's how the devil gets people to fall out of love with Jesus. But you've got to keep yourself in the love of God. I know that I know that I know he loves me. He loves me. And I, I love him. How do we do that? He's giving us instruction on how to do it. By praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you refresh that awareness of how much God loves you. You refresh your love for him. You keep a flow of his presence. God isn't angry with you. He's with you. He'll never leave you. He's come to abide with you forever. His presence, you, you become aware of it. Again, he opens up our eyes by praying in the Holy Spirit. You know, th this is a, a series, a focus that we've had for a few weeks, and then we'll move on to something else. The, the danger is we, we focus on the Holy Spirit, we use our prayer language, but when we go on to something else, we, we stop using it. The Bible instructs us as believers, pray in the Holy Spirit on all occasions, at all times. We're supposed to keep ourselves engaged using this prayer language. We've got to keep ourselves in the love of God by praying in the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if you had a room full of people like this that were committed to pray every day in the Holy Spirit, to keep themselves charged, to keep themselves strong, to keep their 
their faith build up, to keep themselves in love with God, to keep themselves aware of the goodness and love that God has for them. You, you could shake a community. You could advance the kingdom so strong and so quick, but the enemy will try to get you to walk according to your natural mind, get you to dismiss praying in the Holy Spirit for all kinds of reasons. And if he can get you to set aside praying in the Holy Spirit, he causes you to grow weaker, to not be charged up. He can get you not kept in the love of God. I've never known anyone to backslide that prays in the Holy Spirit every day. Why? Because it's got a keeping ability. It keeps you in the love of God. It preserves a believer. So, so it's no wonder the enemy tries to get you too busy. Pray, no, just pray, pray in your English language, praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that anyway. He'll do anything he can to get you disengaged from this amazing gift. That's not really necessary. That's just something for the fanatical. There is a reason that God went to such extreme lengths to equip you with the Holy Spirit. Think about what it took so that you and I could carry the presence of God, not in a box on our shoulders. We could be the temple of the Holy Spirit. That was, that was costly. God wants you to, to carry his Holy Spirit. That flow, rivers of living water flowing. Again, there's so much more to baptism in the Holy Spirit. We've talked about all kinds of ministries of the Holy Spirit. Just focusing on one this morning, but what, what a powerful one. To be able to pray, commune, engage by praying in the Holy Spirit. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.